Hello and welcome to Fair Game with Ferris, a podcast where all sports are fair game. I'm your host, Ferris Bader, and today we have a special episode, one time only, we're talking golf. everyone today we're talking golf and i don't have one guest i have two with me today on my left i have justin wingerter he's a d1 golfer at southern illinois university and a barstool athlete big guy and on my right i have brock duty he played golf in high school not really as impressive of a resume but still he knows what he's talking about welcome guys thank you thank big you intro i feel special right now <laughs> so do i I feel, like, I feel like a PGA pro right now. I will say, I will hype up Brock a little more. He did talk a bunch of trash to me in high school. I was pretty so. good at that. Yeah. Um, I did not know that. I was not very thing. involved yeah, in the golf oh. team. Dang, what kind of trash? Just like, did he ever follow through? That's the real thing. He, si- he never, he never followed through. Every single time. He, never, single he time. never beat me. It was crazy how I beat him every single time we played. He never every won once. It was a big deal to me with how much trash he talked. That he could <laughs> never beat me. I felt so and bad when he shot 95 one tournament, <laughs> and I shot like four under. It's just tough scene. Tough, and tough, tough scene. Now he's lying. Along those lines, why don't you all talk a little bit, I guess, how you started playing the game. Why are you two so interested in golf? Um, my mom, my fam, my dad doesn't really golf, which is interesting, but my mom golfed a lot. And as kids, I think we just had like a little tykes club around and I just started doing that. And apparently I loved it. So then they just kept giving me more golf stuff and I kept doing it. And then I got to the age where I started playing real golf and I still loved it. And I just went from there. I was the same way. My dad was not crazy into golf. Whenever he had time, he'd go golf and he'd try to take me out to the range or go play with him whenever it's from pretty young age. And then I got really into golf probably just before high school. And it just, I started watching a bunch of golf. I started playing as much golf as I could. And it's just a fun way to hang out with friends and play sports, I guess. So from your perspective, how different is actually playing in the golf scene, both in college and in high school, as compared to like watching the pros? Because obviously the pros are going to be really, really good. But can you learn from that or how does that affect you? So I would say like, I went to the PGA Championship a couple years ago, and if you go on like a Sunday, it's pretty hard to learn because the crowds are just so big, but I went on a Thursday and watched like a non-like special group. I watched like one of the normal groups, one of the less heard of groups, and just being there like one of the few fans there, you hear like so much interaction between like the caddy and the player, like what they're talking about before their shots and what they're thinking of and like what he sees and what what all goes into the shots they're making. And I feel like that I learned from so much. So if you can like get the players mic'd up and you can hear like the conversations they're having, that's when you'll really learn a lot about the game. Yeah, at the same time, it's just everything's at a completely different level. When If someone were to go out and just play for fun, they'd be like, oh, I just want to hit the fairway. But the PGA golfers and even D1 college golfers like Justin are like, I want to hit this part of the fairway. I want to go right side of the fairway so I can attack the pin at this side. Or they purposefully don't aim to the pin so they can funnel off a hill towards the hole. It's, it's completely calculated, and the higher up you go, the more of a science it is than it is just going up to play the game golf. I agree. I because there's like, there's a lot of people that aren't on tour that can hit the ball as well as the guys on tour, 
I wouldn't say a lot, but there are people. But they just don't make the right decisions. They just don't. They like, like you said, it's a science, and statistically, they don't make the right choices from shot to shot throughout a round. So then they're just losing strokes because of their decision making. So for me, as like someone who just enjoys watching, I feel like when it comes to these statistics and when it comes to like these different perspectives, at least what I'm familiar with is is the guy kind of leading this is, is Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah. And from what I've heard, he's making a lot of changes. I, I know he switched his stroke to become a lot more powerful. One, what do you think of Bryson's game? What do you think of that like strategy? And two, how much of an effect is he alone like having on the game of golf as a whole? I think he's completely changing the game. Because everyone, there's a big old saying, it's like drive for show, putt for dough. Because apparently short game supposedly is supposed to mean so much more and change everything. But he gained like 40 yards on like every single shot and is hitting it so much further than everyone else. And since he's done that, has been winning and playing so much better than he ever has. And now other people are doing the same thing. They're doing speed training. So they're trying to swing harder and faster just to hit it further, which normally and forever, golf is just a game of consistency and accuracy. But he's showing that if you can actually hit it far with similar consistency, that it's game-changing. I will say Bryson is one of the best putters on tour, but I'm with him too to where it's like, adding like simply just adding 40 yards to your drive like if you it's not simple but if you do it you have so much more room to miss like just you can like miss probably 15 20 percent of more fairways which if you think about that that's like a lot and you can still gain as many strokes off the tee as another guy who hits a 40 yards shorter and hits those fairways like those 20 percent of fairways that you're missing and you'll be so all you have to do if you if you click and you just have a good day hitting it that far your potential is like so much higher that you can just like win. Like you'll just be better than everyone else like he's doing. And it's just like, like you said, I'm kind of on the same page now too. Cause there used to be a stigma around like lifting and golf. And it's like, Oh, like you don't want to get too big. Like you won't be flexible, but it's like, I mean, he's proving it wrong. And I'm starting to like, I've been working out in the past year to try and get longer and all of that. And it's like, if you do the right things and you like stretch and do yoga while you're working out, you'll, you'll just get longer and you'll stay like, you won't, it's not going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt you. It's, I agree. Cause golf's a game of feel. And if you feel like you're swinging the same way you always have, but you're stronger, so you yeah. can swing harder and can hit the ball further. It's it shouldn't change much, and it would only help you because you can hit it further, and you feel like you're hitting the same shots. It's the same thing as always. It's just your nine iron will go one seventy instead of one sixty. Yeah. So one of the big storylines this past weekend, at least the first couple of days, was kind of he was Bryson was mad at himself, bad driver. Like, what does a bad driver mean if he's hitting it far? It seems he's like he's hitting it far. I will say Bryson. I respect Bryson's game. I do not respect Bryson's mentality. Yeah. I feel like he's a bit soft. So when he was saying like his driver was bad, he was talking about the manufacturer, which they like, they gave him like a, a bunch of professionals get fitted personally for their drivers, which he was, but he's like a perfectionist and he likes to complain a little bit. So they, okay. they built him one and it was just as good as anyone else's driver on tour most likely. But he was just complaining because, like, simply put, if you're going to hit it that long, he was complaining that the miss hits weren't straight enough. But he also hits it 40 yards further than everyone. So if he's, like, half a degree off or a degree off, 
his miss is obviously going to be bigger than the guy who hits it 280 yards because he's just it's going longer on that line off the path. So it's just like I think it was just him being a baby a little bit. I agree. But, and at the same time, if he's that much like a scientist that he has the same length of every single iron and has every single degree down to a fine T, and you can't, like, if you make your own range, driver. Yeah. You, I don't you know. do everything. You customize everything basically yourself because you do all the tests. You run so many tests. You go through all the numbers. You analyze absolutely everything. Like, you should, you should probably know. Like, cool, someone might have given you something that's a degree off, but come on, Bryson. Like, so as a golfer, do, does your driver change from tournament to tournament, or, or why is this like problem just? That's more out? of a tour pro thing because at the tour events they have like tour vans and they have free access and they're sponsored, so they get like if they ask for a club, you'll snap a finger and they'll get it as quick as possible, and then they'll just have everything cater to them, which is a perk. It's not like a bad thing; they deserve it. They're the best in the world. But it's not normal to change out drivers at the yeah. tournament. It's normal to change out wedges because the grooves in the club are what give the ball more spin, and when you have fresh grooves. Then it's, it adds that much more spin. You can control what shape your shot want to do. If you want to draw, if you want to fade, you can do everything with much more control. So it's, I players usually get every like what two weeks probably. Justin get new wedges on the tour. Yeah, like a month, that. a month, yeah, something yeah. like that. So that's normal, but driver isn't that normal because driver it's it shouldn't your club shouldn't change weekly. There's yeah, no point. and I'll say like at the division one level, like I've. My clubs probably change like once a year. It's like okay. not a very often thing. Like I, it's more of like a top tier when they when you have that much access. It just kind of like if you have the opportunity to switch clubs that often. Some guys choose to, some guys choose not to. Kind of just gives you potential for just a better yeah. swing. It's or it's like no, that. it's it's minuscule. Like the the okay. differences it are is so very, small. Yeah, it is very small. If you get like new irons or something, if you can swing a club as well as the PGA Pros can, as well as Justin can yeah. as a D one golfer, there's not gonna be much that the club itself is gonna change, but it just the biggest thing that they do, switching them out and getting new stuff and getting them remade and getting them customized, is to fine tune it, like Bryson was complaining about, to make your misses smaller. So let's like so you don't shank it, or you don't shank it, but you don't hit a slice as often. Or if you do hit a bad shot, yeah, you're, it's not as bad as it could have been if it's not. Perfect yeah, for if you. you hit one off the heel, it's how much does it like go right? Like if it if it stay like he's talking like if he hits one off the heel a little bit, it's it's like going way farther right than he thinks it should, and he's just complaining about that. But okay, now looking at his scores here, the first two days he was one over, and then he kind of corrected himself day four. What is it, like, is that just an improvement in mentality, or do you just think he had a good round? Like, what is with the, I guess, day-to-day change, as I, is frequent with most I golfers? I think golf is just, like, it's, like, a very long-term thing. Like, it's hard to look at things in the short term and just be, like, he did better today. Like, some days you just get things to go your way. Some days you don't. Like, some days you just get putts to drop and you sc- play better. Some like it's not you're not gonna wake up every morning and have the same game you had the day before. It's kind of just like, it's very fluc like how you play and score is very it fluctuates a lot just like day to day just but naturally, and I think that was just one of those things to where he just he probably just had a good day on Sunday. Yeah, I agree. It's off days and on days. Like John Rom, for example, on the last day played really well but was burning the edge. He he lit out and like right was 
putt, every single putt was right over the lip almost every time, but you never know that unless you watch the whole thing. So it's, you either have, you get unlucky sometimes, shots, just putts aren't falling, it's, it's day-to-day stuff. Kind of along those lines, another guy to mention, I think, that kind of proves this point is, is Louis Oosthuizen. Yeah. Like, yeah. He was 11 under after the first two rounds, and then he went even the last two rounds. We were talking a little bit beforehand, and y'all were saying that he kind of tends to choke there He's towards the end. Yeah, I would, say, I would say, like, in Bryson's point, like, the reason I said it was just, like, he had a good day was because he was in the middle of the pack. There's not really any pressure in there. For Louis Oosthuizen, I mean, he's proven this like four or five times. Almost in every major he plays in. I think he has like, yeah, he it's unreal what he's been doing. Like, you have to give him respect for how much he's like. I don't know how you can just like get second in two or three majors and then back to back too, and then back like to back. come back the third or fourth major and still do it again. Like, you have to be doing a lot of things right to get second, but he's just doing the wrong things in the last day to get second or third which is unfortunate but you still have to give the man kudos for just having the mental strength to like choke a tournament and then come to the next tournament and still get in position to win like it's i don't know how you do it but i he's consistently like the last three majors they was like the pga championship us <laughs> open and the open he was in the final group every time he was He's placed top three. The worst he's gotten was third. And that was this And week. he just, he can't close it out. He, it's happened so many times. Like, he, sure, he wins a few, but he, the, how good of a golfer he is now, consistently, he plays crazy well in every single major. It's almost disappointing because he, it's just the last day every time, every time. Just looking at him, you kind of hope that he gets a couple more big wins yeah. under his it's, belt. We all, yeah. Every single time, it's like, oh, he's playing so well, and it's the last day, and everyone's thinking, at least I am, I'm, I think <laughs> Justin, it's just like, oh, he's going to choke. Yeah, you see. He's it. so close yeah. every time. He's such like, a great golfer. I was joking with my brother because he, like, bogeyed a couple holes during the middle of the day, and he dropped down to, like, third, and Jordan Spieth passed him, and Jordan Spieth went to second. And I was like, well, now Louis is going to make a couple birdies to get back second. Just just because he finds a way to get second every tournament. He just, like, never wins. But he plays – like, he birdied the last hole at the U- U.S. Open, I'm pretty sure, to get second. And I was like – I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, it shot, doesn't matter he shot one point. over at the Open yeah. final round. Just yeah. one over. He'd already he still got third. Yeah, he'd already mm-hmm. blown it. So he just, like – I mean, he figures it out once he's blown it to get second. But I was, like, joking the same thing. But – I really hate to see that. I hate how he always does that. I feel so bad for him at the time. As a golfer, Justin, and I guess Brock, like, how do you deal with that pressure and how do you like overcome some of these ruts, I guess, that Louis finds himself in? For me, I personally, what I do is I try and take like the pressure out of it and accept all the possible outcomes. Like, For me, at the end of the day, I'm going to go out and play the best golf I can. And if that's like, if that's getting second place, like, Good for me. Like I got second place. But the moment you start to put pressure on yourself and making winning the most important thing, you become scared of if you don't like capture that, if you don't achieve it. And then you also could try like there's a there's a moment, especially in golf, where you can try too hard and try and force things and then that way you lose it as well. And I think like if you just accept like, yeah, I could get I could get anything in this tournament and I'll still go home and live the same life and I'll still go home and have like feel the same about this tournament. Then you kind of just let yourself play the same golf you've been playing all week. 
Yeah, it's it's a hundred percent mental game. It's it's a lot. You gotta take every shot as its own. If you if you hit a bad drive, you can't let it. You can't just get upset and be like, you know what, screw it. I'm just gonna do something stupid and risky. Like if you're Louis U stays in and you're top of the leaderboard going into the final day, you, you can't just get a meltdown. Like he sure he had a terrible day, but he could have let it get so much worse. Everything is hundred percent mental. I, if you don't take every single shot as its own thing and just try and play smart and keep a level head, then it's going to destroy your game. Yeah, like, one over, not good, but it's not too terrible either. No, if you look at the bottom of the leaderboard, it's just like any... Like, if you look at the guys who made the cut that didn't play great, I mean, it's just like a normal round. He's just at a standard at the moment where he's just... You expect so much. He's the best player. Like, he's, he's the best player in the world at this moment, in my opinion, but he's just not... The best winner, if that makes sense. Colin Morikawa was proved he was the best winner, especially with the way he played Sunday. And he deserved to win because of that. But it's just tough because Louie is probably playing the best golf out of anyone consistent, in the world. Best consistent yeah. golf, yeah. So you, you mentioned Morikawa. He wins the Open with a 15-under. He shot 4-under that last round. Talk to me a little bit about him for any of the listeners that don't know or maybe haven't heard of him as much. He's young. He's good. He's not scared of anyone. He's played and two years in the PGA, and he's won two majors already, which is unheard of. He's one of place. two guys to win two majors before the age of 25, and the other one is Tiger Woods. So he's like he's, – he's had like – that's not the only thing where he's in the only bracket with Tiger Woods with doing things, and it's like pretty impressive what he's doing. And he I, made his first – I think it was 22 career starts or something. Yeah, 22 cuts. Yeah, 22 start, cuts. He made that with no, which was, second to Tiger who got yeah, 25. Yeah, and then like third was probably like – it was like 12 Still or something. Still though, he's it in some elite close, company. Yeah. He's in Tiger Woods territory in starting golf. It, we're not saying that he's going to be he's the not, Tiger He's not Woods, Tiger Woods yet. But, but he's – I think, without a doubt, going to be one of, if not the best golfers in the world for the next yeah. five years to come, ten years to come. I feel five comfortable years saying that, too. So I feel like, a, like at least a couple years ago, you had your household names like Tiger Woods, and I feel like nowadays you have your star players, but I don't know if you have as many household names. Do you think Colin Morikawa can become that household name? I think he should. I think he should. I think right now probably Dustin Johnson's most household name, but I think Colin Morikawa is absolutely he's, – he's just – just setting the road for everybody, absolutely everyone. All there's so many young players that are just doing absolutely crazy things. But Colin Morikawa is like top of the leaderboard consistently. He's winning huge tournaments. He's hundred percent going to be a household name in a few years, in yeah. my mind. I think yeah, I think he could be a household name at this point. But I there's just so many guys on the tour now that are like the guy. Like there's so many guys on yeah. the tour that it's like hard for any of them to separate because you have like. Like, Jordan Spieth went out of the golf world for a while. And then, like, Ricky Fowler went out of the golf world for a while. But then you have DJ, and then you have John Rahm, and then yeah. you have Bryson, and then you have Brooks. And you just have, like, a bunch of these guys. And you forget, they're like, Justin Thomas. You have, like, yeah. you just forget that these – Louis Oosthuizen. And you forget that these guys even exist. But they're all just – they're got Like, they are dogs. Like, they are – The biggest thing about Tiger being a household name was that he was, like <laughs> – He was the best He ever was Tiger. Ever. He won yeah. absolutely everything. If you look at the leaderboard, you'll – always see him near the top there's so many insanely good golfers right now that there are probably 10 to 15 that are consistently in the top but i don't think colin morikawa is now he might be later but he's definitely not now the top or like one of the main household names yeah he could be 
But he's only been in the PGA for two years. I'd comfortably he say he's a top ten player, but I don't know yeah. if he's a number one player. He's not it's, a big household name by any means yet, but he, I, I have no doubt that he will be in a few years. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, before we got started, kind of moving on, you said you wanted to talk a little bit about Barbasol. So tell us about oh, what yeah, happened there. Yeah. So the Barbasol, for people that don't know, every time they have a major, the PGA Tour still runs an event for the guys that didn't make the major. So the Barbasol Championship was that this week. And James Hahn, who is one of the streakiest players in the history of golf, <laughs> after missing eight straight cuts coming into this tournament, makes the cut by one and wakes up on Saturday morning. As after shooting two under and then one under. He wakes up on Saturday morning as Jesus Christ <laughs> and shoots 12 under and goes Drops from 60. like 50th to when he finishes the days in the lead by five yeah. because the leaders haven't even teed off yet, which is just, it's just crazy. So he goes out and shoots 60. He has a putt for 59 and 18. Miss, it was a good putt. It was just not something you can expect to make. But yeah, he goes out, he does that. And then the leaders actually end up catching him, but he's still in third. And then he didn't end up winning, which is he shot like two under the last yeah, day. Streaky. So he's streaky. So he just had a day. He just had a day. He went two under, one under, twelve under, two under. So casual. I mean, that that one day put him in fifth. I guess he was two out of the out of the win. So yeah. like yeah. he bogeyed his last two holes too. And oh my he, god! He, uh, and the winners went to no playoff. Yeah, yeah. JT Poston though. That is, he, yeah. he deserved to win. That He was like, when I said Louis Ustazen was the best player that week, JT Poston was the best player that week. And he did it all the way through, like, he made it through Sunday until, like, hole 14. Like, I feel like if you're in the final round and you make it to hole 14 and he had, like, a three-stroke lead, I feel like you've done it. And he, he doubled 15, which is par 5. And bogeying a par 5 at itself, especially in a PGA Tour event, is, like, something you just don't do. Finding a way to double, it's just, and then he went bogey after that, and he went to a playoff and lost, but it's unfortunate. But he, he was playing very, very good golf. But congrats to Seamus Power from Ireland with the <laughs> W in a playoff. So I guess going forward, the, the big news or big event in the golf world is going to be probably the Olympics here in a week and a half. Talk to us a little bit about that, and then here, when we're done, I, I want us to make a prediction, each of you to make a prediction, as we do here on the show. But, like, how is the Olympics different, first of all, from just any normal PGA Tour event? The Olympics, I would say, hasn't, it doesn't, as weird as it sounds, it doesn't have as much prestige as you would think it would, yeah. because it just started... It's like a very new concept. Golf was just added to the Olympics recently. I can't remember if it was like the last Olymp. I think it might have been the last Olympics that it was added. And Justin Rose won gold. But not very many people know that. Like it's just like very under the radar. But I think one of the most interesting things that I got is Northern Ireland isn't in the Olympics this year. So Rory McIlroy is actually competing for Ireland as a country, not for Northern Ireland. And I just, I've mm. never pictured Rory McIlroy as an Irish guy. <laughs> he seems much more like British, but he's competing for Ireland. Really? Yeah. I, it's more, I think the biggest difference is how much of a team aspect it is, in a sense. Because you're going as a team, whereas every single other, except for the Ryder Cup. Yeah, you like, are representing your You're country. representing your country. So it's more of, 
it's not like, oh, I want to go out there and win. Like, I want to make sure that I do better than everyone else. It's like, it's a team. It's, it's, as, it's similar to a Ryder Cup in the sense that you're working with them. It's like you're playing with them. You're playing for a team instead of, it's a different mindset. Completely different mindset, I would think. For the Americans, for those of you that don't know, the team is Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, who we talked about a little bit, Xander Shoffley, and Bryson DeChambeau, who we also talked about a little bit. So some big names there. However, I'm I'm reading here that Sergio Garcia out for Spain. So is that going to be like a John Rahm heavy team, I guess? I mean, Probably. John Rahm's going to carry Spain no matter what. John Rahm is <laughs> one of the best golfers in the world, and whatever team he's on, he's 100% going to carry. And I will say, like... In America, I don't know how much pride, like, Xander Shoffley or Justin Thomas or, like, those guys have. They probably have pride carrying the American flag. But I will say it is different for John Rahm. Like, that man bleeds Spain. He, he like, bleeds he, will, Spain. he has something on his shoulder, like, that he is, he is going to go this week mm-hmm. for Spain. Like, yep. he is going to find something in himself. And I, I, he's probably my favorite pick. Because 100%. he's just he's just a very passionate guy. And I know, like, a lot of Spaniards are very, very passionate about Spain and their home country. And I think, like, that, for him, is probably a special moment. It's because he gets to represent Because he's, without a doubt, the best player in Spain yeah. right now. And he's going out there, and everyone's going to not depend on him, but they're going to think so. They're going to have such high expectations of him doing well. And I, I agree with Justin. He's 100% who I think is going to win. That... Good to know. There y'all have it. Those are your predictions. I guess, quick, really quickly, I, I have to ask. We've been talking about the guys' game, but here for the Olympics, it's, it, the women's game has an equal part in terms of, like, yeah. who gets represented. Medals, yeah. So, do y'all have any thoughts on what's going to happen there? Is there, like, a clear favorite? I don't really keep up too much with the um, There's game. been Nellie Corda, I think. Has Nellie Corda's been, been going off. She's been on a heater. Yeah. The last couple months. I hear her and her sister are leading the Americans. They are. Yeah, so Nelly is probably the favorite, I would guess. And then, I'm not sure, I'm not very educated on the topic, so I'm I don't want to say something either. dumb, but I know Nelly Corda's on a heater, so that's my pick. Yeah. Sounds good. Nelly Corda and John Ron, there, yeah. yeah. there you have it. Uh, I guess before we wrap up, is there anything else y'all want to talk about in the game of golf? Any any interesting stuff happening recently? Um, not too much. I think uh, just a little tidbit, though, is that when Bryson was complaining, so the Bryson-Brooks beef, when Bryson was complaining <laughs> about his driver, the very next day Brooks played well. And in his post-round interview, he went out of his way to say um, – that he was hitting driver great and that he loved his driver. And he like and I think that just like Brooks is like I was I was a little bit team Bryson at one point just because I like felt bad for the guy and I thought he was like doing the right things. He was just like misunderstood. But he just keeps doing things to make himself more disliked. He's like just becoming like a dislikable person more and more. And I think like this week was the turning point for me where I am off of Team Bryson and I'm starting to lean a little bit towards Team Brooks. See, I disagree because I think it's I think Bryson DeChambeau lives rent free in Brooks Kepka's head. Yeah. Every single thing that Bryson DeChambeau does, it'll be like a slight little thrown shade at Brooks. But Brooks has to respond every single time. And it just rubs Bryson rubs Brooks Brooks Kepka the wrong way so much. He's in my mind hundred percent winning the Brooks versus Bryson right now. They're both very good. He's just Bryson's living absolutely rent free, absolutely rent free. 
Do you think this plays an advantage for the two of them, or is it kind of a disadvantage that they both got something that's not really golf on their mind? I would say a little. I don't think it affects Brooks. I think it'd I be think, an advantage. It's more of a competitive. You, you get a little chip on your shoulder, like, oh, I want to, like, got to beat him. You got to you, yeah. You're more competitive. You have something you, like, it means something to you more. It mean, Obviously, a, a term is going to mean something no matter what, but it's like, this guy beats me, I'm going to be mad. I can't let him beat me. Yeah. Yeah. Justin, do you have anyone like that in the, on the college scene? Um, no. I mean, I have like he's thrown hands a few times. Yeah. Ah, uh, I see. I've like gotten into a few fist fights, but nothing much. <laughs> no, but it's like there's like it's never like formal or anything as bad as that. But there are definitely like guys like I'll see them and I like I don't have anything personal against them, but I'll just like if I go to a tournament, and they're there. Like it's like a goal that week within a goal like obviously I want to win and obviously I want to play really well but beating them is like one of the like expectations of goals for the week like if I do that and it's like all right I've I've had an all right week but it's like it's I feel like that helps I don't know did you have anyone like that in in high school Brock I mean there are always like those one kids who talked so much trash and can never really back it up and it always felt so good to see him just right below you because yeah you, know, you get that little they come and talk if they try and talk anything you're like hold on what 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 did you shoot last tournament you just you just got a little edge on them it gives you a little extra confidence it gives you I would always be like all right I'm gonna beat this kid if I if I'm playing into the same group as someone I'm like oh this kid's annoying I would just do everything I could just to beat him I mean that might just be me but. I'm pretty competitive. I don't like, I don't like those kinds of people nah, who just rub me the wrong way. And if someone rubs you the wrong way, it's just like I just want. I got to show them up. I won. And I, I feel like it's it's good to have a little bit of that rivalry yeah. in in a sport like golf where you don't generally see it. I mean, you had Tiger with his rivals Phil back in the day, yeah. but like that's kind of started to die down. So seeing these these new like nemesis form is it's fun to watch. Yeah. I think I think it's good for the game. I think their their rivalry is good for the game. It brings more attention to it too. Yeah. It's not like nobody pays attention to golf, but it's like people who haven't who don't pay attention to golf. Like I have friends who are like I don't really care about golf, but they know about Bryson yeah. and Brooks. Like they know about that. That you see it all over social media. It's, yeah, it's definitely a positive. I would think. I think it's. A positive. I feel like you got the two most like different guys yeah. on tour like they could not be farther from the edges of the, like they're on both edges of the spectrum and they're on opposite sides of the spectrum and i think it's good that everyone gets a taste of like what what both of them are as as like golfers in in terms of golfers on in the pros is there any other big personalities really um, I mean, Phil's, Phil's a pretty good personality, but he's like, he stay, he knows how to walk the line pretty well. He's like, everyone likes Phil, I feel like, cause he just toes the line pretty well. But I would say, I don't know. I'd have to think about that because there definitely are some big personalities, but not as big as those two really. Most other people keep it more to themselves. Like yeah. some, there's some characters out there who used to, used to, and still kind of do have some serious anger issues. Yeah. Like Sergio Garcia used to absolutely <laughs> yeah. lose his mind yeah. on the course. Sergio Garcia you can see videos of him just absolutely beating up a bunker, just swinging away, yeah. just because he didn't like it. He had a bad hole. He, it's etiquette to just wait for someone else to finish, and there's he's just walked off. He's made a putt and gone to the next hole, which is <laughs> he's much better now. But there's people who had, I wouldn't say serious, but definitely got a little too upset. 
I would say if there's one person I could have to break a club, it would be Henrik Stenson. That man is strictly business yeah. when it comes to breaking clubs. He <laughs> has a formula, and he sticks to it, and he gets some snap on it. He is a cold-blooded Dead killer. center every time. The precision, the accuracy, the power. He's absolute he specimen. a cold-blooded killer when it comes to breaking clubs. I'm definitely going to have to look this up here after after we're done recording, but that's good to know. Maybe some fun YouTube time yeah. of it. Like yeah, that. I will say I have looked up videos of like <laughs> club-breaking compilations, and it was very entertaining. I would recommend it. Well, sounds good. I'm definitely going to try that out here afterwards. But thank you all so much for joining me here today. For the listeners at home, tune in Thursday or Saturday for basketball. If the finals goes to a game seven, we're going to be doing the episode on Saturday instead. You can find me on Spotify, Anchor, and basically wherever you listen to your podcast. My name is Ferris Bader. I have Brock Duty, Justin Wingarder with me here today. And this has been Fair Game with Ferris.